This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary, even in hell. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. Hey, fiends. Hellcat here. On our show tonight, we offer up our takeout series where we will explore the realms of foreign horror cinema. Our hosts will take you along their travels all over the globe, while diving into some of the most lucid storytelling, savage cannibals, vengeful spirits, sadistic killers, and the post-apocalyptic zombie-plagued landscapes. Join us as we dissect the classics that prove sometimes fear comes with subtitles. They thought they were fighting only against aliens. folks welcome once again to cinema degenerations takeout edition i am your host cameron scott and joining me for another episode is the one the only thomas Burdinsky. how are we doing tonight tom hey real good cameron it's always good to be a paid guest on your show yep the check is in the mail <laughs> <laughs> and we all know how reliable the mail is so you know let me know when you get that. Yeah, I think, I think I might have lost mine along with that, along with the vote I cast. But well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> right, can't trust anything these days. But <laughs> well, it's it's nice having you on again. I haven't done this since we did uh, Devil Fish. Uh, what a month, month and a half ago? Which that episode should is out there in the ether. It's getting ready to drop any day now. Oh, cool. And so we're picking another kind of bad but kind of good but kind of not uh italian uh horror sci-fi flick we are doing uh tonight we are doing shocking dark the 1989 epic by well depending on how you look at it is bruno mattei but aka vincent dawn and you know (laughs) he he probably should have used uh, the the alias that he used, you know, because I I would hide behind an alias if I made this movie. You know, Bruno has I think I think Bruno is credited for making like or directing like fifty films, and I think he's got twenty aliases at least. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I I, re- I only remember Vincent Dawn, but I know he has a couple like Gilbert something, Stefan something or another. But he's Jesus, done. Ram, Bob Hunter. I mean, he just. I, you know, I don't know where he pulls these from, but he, he's got a mess up. Because, you know, when he does action movies, he uses a different, you know, name versus his horror movies and stuff. But, yeah, this one, I, Vincent, you know, for me, Vincent Dawn is like, he, I think he kind of reserved that for maybe his best movies, except for this one. 
except for this one. Well, because I remember um, he used that for Hell of the Living Dead, which is yeah. probably my favorite Matei film. I, I, I was going to ask you about that because I was trying to think myself. I've probably seen 20 of his movies anyway, maybe more. Um, and I was thinking to myself, but what was what is the best Bruno Matei film? And I do think it's Hell of the Living Dead. I mean, there's there's other ones that are you know have some some good. I mean, Rats has some you know fun yeah. stuff in it. Women's Rats, Prison. Nights of Terror is really good. Even uh, Strike Commando is yeah is yeah. Some good stuff. Violence in a Woman's Prison's got some good stuff for you know for that type of movie. Uh, even Robo War for you know is, is just a fantastic ripoff. Um, which uh, I think yeah that, he, yeah that was Vincent Don too. I think he used his name. Yeah, on. that was a Vincent Don one. That's probably my second favorite. I. I like to throw Zombie Three in there because I know he did some uncredited work. Yeah, yeah. When you know Fulci fell ill, but yeah, yeah those are the best yeah. ones. Some of the worst ones are like Cruel Jaws is is, is pretty bad. Uh, Zombies the beginning that's also pretty bad. Island of the Living Dead that's pretty bad. But God, I love them all. I, I to, to be honest, I guess I just have a a, a thing for uh, shit movies. Well, <laughs> And those last two you mentioned, I mean, that was, he basically made those like the year he passed away. So I, I wonder how much of those movies was even really him versus, you know, a bunch of people who probably really liked him, you know, and, and were kind of propping him up and, and doing stuff that was in his style. But really, you know, those last two zombie movies he did were pretty darn elaborate. You know, oh, they, yeah, they were. But they, they, they were just, they were ripoffs like everything else that he, he had done. I mean, not everything that he did was a ripoff. But this movie, you know, hell alone, the title in most other countries was Terminator 2. Yep, which it, Alien Eaters, and what is it? there was another one, too. Yeah, Alien there was a couple. I wrote a few of them down. It was known as Terminator 2, Aliens 2, Alienators, <laughs> and The Contaminators. That's <laughs> uh, like, you, you know it's, it's going to be cheesy Italian goodness. You know, when it has like at least three to four different fucking titles. Yeah, and and, and as soon as and there's another name associated with this one that, that also immediately, you know, invokes um, you know, the cheesiness factor here, and that's Claudio Fragasso, you know, Clyde Anderson. Um, you oh know, yes, Troll Two, Monster Dog. Yeah, and collaborated with Bruno on you know Hell of the Living Dead and and you know many other ones too over the years. So you know when those two got together, you you, you kind of knew what you were getting. You were you were getting yeah. a ripoff of some sort. That's for sure. Right, right. Let's go ahead and get into uh, the meat and potatoes of this. We'll start off with the the quick IMDb synopsis, which goes as follows. In a polluted future, Venice researchers work to improve the situation. One day, an unknown force starts killing them. A team of soldiers and a couple of civilians are sent to investigate. Soon, they encounter strange, murderous creatures. That has yeah. got to be... <laughs> I got to interrupt you. That's got to be the laziest synopsis I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I was, was going like... to say, yeah, they, they put about as much work into that as they did into original storytelling with the movie. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that was like somebody somebody had that movie on at 2X and walked in and out of the room while they were doing the dishes or doing their homework and just jotted down a couple notes, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, funny. I never read that. That's hilarious. And the way this opens up, it opens up, you know, in a very, you know, kind of pretty, you know, looking, you know, area of, of Venice, you know, and everything looks, you know, it's Venice. It looks beautiful. But it's like, it was like, Venice before the year 2000. Yeah. The seaweed in the high tide is killing the oxygen in the water. And I'm just like, really? That's how it works? Seaweed k kills it's, oxygen? Yeah, it's it's uh, the exact opposite. LG makes oxygen. <laughs> right. Now, when LG you know, dies, yes, that can have an oxygen demand. You know, you know what I heard, though? Um, I can't remember if I read this or if this was on some making of or something I saw in this years ago, but... Um, the original premise was actually kind of cool that it was going to be a spaceship crashed into, you know, the big waterways of Venice or whatever and, you know, crashed underground and released all these toxins and poisons. And that's what destroyed Venice. So they were going down. There was actually a reason for them to be going into Venice with all these troops. They were going to the spaceship. But of course, oh, you know, that would have made a lot more sense. Uh, Bruno and, and Claudio probably, you know, 
didn't have enough money for a spaceship effect, so they just skipped all that and yeah, let's just have an algae bloom and you know <laughs> somehow that's causing this great pollution event. Uh, yeah, they they didn't do a very good job. They didn't even do a kind of good job of explaining the science, as I call it a lot of time, is kind of Sharknado tech and science. It's just like they just throw a lot of fa- fancy words into the mix that mean absolutely nothing. And they didn't even do like any sort of effects to make it look like Venice was, you know, polluted. They just, you know, let's find a bunch of no. shitty, you know, dumpy locations, you know, from our, uh, you know, one of our apocalyptic ripoff movies that we did, you know, some area that's still bombed out from whatever. We'll shoot it there and we'll pretend that's Venice. But there was no, you know, attempt to make like a, you know, a plume or any interesting color filter, oh, no. anything like that. So it was like, it was really lazy, you know, even for them. That was, that was disappointing. Well, they, they basically showed you the same shot of beautiful Venice with just a sign that said Venice off limits yeah. with red and white stripes on yeah. it. And, with and a couple yeah. of guys guarded by dudes with Uzis and gas masks, you know, yeah. I mean, and that's it. Shot a little later in the day, I guess that was their, uh, you know, look how polluted it is because it's a little darker out. I mean, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they didn't even put a green filter on it or nothing, just something. Oh, no, and that's, you know, and I expect that out of Bruno at least. You know, give me some, you know, generally Bruno will, will give you some special effects. You know, they might not be good, but he'll give you some. And in this one, they, I guess they just, they were rushed and. They thought, well, we just won't explain any of this stuff. We'll just go right to the action, which is another Bruno's, you know, kind of movie-making theories. He's not going to get bogged down in the details. You know, he's going to get right into what he thinks is entertaining. So Yeah, he'll, he'll forego any kind of exposition yeah. and storyline for just straight-up action. Yeah. And, and this movie does have, you know, it's got a lot of exploding creatures and a lot of goopy, slimy, loppy nastiness, but... Well, not when much you, in the way. you can see them when when they're not covered by flash smoke and <laughs> right we'll about that later. Or they're always kind of lurking around the corner. They're like they're like yeah. an arm that's coming around the corner, and then like one of the strike commando or the mega force guys will shoot them from off camera. Yep, yep. Just a cheap. Here's a here's an attempt at a jump scare. Here comes an arm out of nowhere that there's no way they couldn't have seen. You know, I mean, they're standing right there. Oh, there's an arm. You know. It's that was pretty pretty yeah. lame. That's that's typical too. You know, you expect that from his movies. What one interesting thing though that I that I did learn about this movie, um, at least was interesting to me. Um, a lot of people were complaining, oh, it's just shot in the basement or the boiler room of some hotel or something. That movie was actually shot in a decommissioned nuclear power plant. You know, I wondered where it had shot because a lot of the the locations, you know, that look very industrial and whatnot. Yeah. It were pretty massive, and some of the like control rooms that they had were fairly massive. And I wondered, like, I knew these were not sets. No, I they they were, that's what I, I was, yeah. And as somebody who, on my day job, you know, I I used to do a lot of in, inspections at industrial facilities and things like that. But I've never been to a nuclear power plant. And when I first saw this movie, I thought it was it might have been a, a water filtration plant or like a chemical plant because you know there's all kinds of pipes and boilers and cooling towers and all that kind of stuff. But it made perfect sense when I heard that it was shot in a, a nuclear power plant that was being decommissioned. It's like, oh, that's that is cool, you know. And, and the photography in this movie was, other than you know the the murky stuff, uh, you know, the sets and stuff, they shot those pretty well. It was kind of cool. Yeah, they made the locations look pretty phenomenal. It's yeah. just like whenever they had effects to to show, they kind of everything looked just very fuzzy, very, very confusing, yeah. and whatnot. And I don't understand why, because the couple of sort of decent shots you get, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but there are aliens in this movie, and the, the couple of decent shots you get of the aliens at some point, it looked pretty good. So why are we hiding it behind these flash bombs and smoke so that you can't even see the things? So that, that to me, wasn't very Bruno-ish either. He usually is pretty good for letting you see the gore. You know, He's going he's gonna to show it to you. It might not be great. It might not be a great makeup effect, but he's going to let you see it. But in this movie, he kind of didn't. Yeah, you know, maybe that was just a, a cost and effect thing. You know, maybe they just didn't have the money to even show the effects this time. <laughs> you know, maybe it's just like, we got to make this one even on the quick, on the fly, even for my standards. Yeah, and, the, you know, and a lot of those effects they may have shot later, you know, in the studio. I'm sure you remember scenes from like Robo War and his other movies where, you know, they're all standing there looking down at something, but there's not a single shot of whatever they're looking at in them together. 
because right. that's something they're looking at was shot in the studio, you know, months later with a whole bunch of special effects technicians, and they're all probably staring at their feet, you know, because it wasn't right. Uh, they're staring at a tennis ball that's like just off camera. <laughs> exactly. So maybe that maybe that was the issue here too, and that wouldn't surprise me. One other thing about this one that was rare for a Bruno Mattei movie, and I don't know if you noticed this, but they actually shot in English with live sound. Most of his movies, you know, they'll shoot them in English, but then they'll hire a bunch of cheap actors to come dub the voices later, you know? But this one, this is that's their actual voices. Well, it, I thought that was pretty apparent when I was watching it, but I was like, it's still like, maybe it's just because the acting is so bad for most everybody in the movie it almost felt like it was still you know dubbed it was it wasn't just bad they were bored those actors oh God. bored out of their minds and it just showed even in the action scenes the only one who i i gotta give credit to who kept your energy level up the whole time i mean i guess I, I bet i can guess this one but go ahead go ahead no you can because it's the same note that i have gerada yeah. Yep, Gerada Gerada, or whatever her name Gerada, was. Gerada Giancarlo, I think she was yep. known uh, credited as. But yeah, yep. Gerada Gerada, uh, Rosemary from uh, Lamberto Bava's Demons. Yep, yep, yep exactly. she, she was the only one with any kind of energy. She, yeah, she, and yet, but then they gave her these stupid fourth wall breaking shots where she's looking at the camera and talking to the camera. And it's like, oh, don't do that. She's good. <laughs> but you do that, and you like make her look like a clown. But at least she, she held her energy level. And but everybody else, especially the lead actress, oh my gosh, she looks oh, okay. so bored. And there's there is no wonder that that was the only movie that she ever did. Was it? I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't don't recall the actress's name uh, that played uh, Doctor Sarah. Sarah, yep, Sarah. Yep. Sarah. Drumble, Drumble, I think it was uh, Sarah Drumble, but she was so bad. You know, the, I won't say this often because most of the time I'll be like, it's a pity they didn't make more films. No, it, it's a pity that she even made this one because she is just really, really bad trying to do her best Sigourney Weaver and failing at every step of the way. She was. I, I just got the sense that she was just terribly bored with the whole thing. And, you, could, you know, just her eye movements and, you know, where she would blink and what she was looking at when she was talking. So, you know, some of that's directing. And, and Bruno is... You know, he's quite capable of getting bad performances out of people, but they're usually manic. You know, his actors usually are really manic because Bruno is so laid back, he just lets the actors go and lets them overact. In this one, nobody overacted, maybe Gerardo Gerardo, but everybody else was just completely bored. <laughs> and I love Gerardo's uh, introduction. Like, she's, all right, you bunch of pussies, oh. I'm back and I'm kicking ass. And it's like, all right, damn. This is the kind of character I want to see in this movie. If only everybody else had had that kind of energy, it would have been a totally different film. Yep, but, and everybody else was just dead. <laughs> but, I mean, the beginning of the movie pretty much starts off with, you know, after that little intro of Venice's, you know, past the year 2000, this is what it's going to look like. And now it's off limits, and there's a toxic cloud over the city that has poisoned the water in the entire city. We get an, a bunch of guys in that, you know, that control center getting an SOS and they don't seem really all that concerned. They're like, eh, <laughs> I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what were they even really supposed to be doing there? They don't really say in this area. I said they went with the star Trek kind of look. Everything was a lot of flashing lights and mm -hmm. knobs and buttons, you know, which in your Italian sci-fi slash horror slash action fair, you get a lot of the, the typical industrial areas, like you were mentioning before, you know, lush with rubble and pipes and steam and underground layers and levels. I, I love that part of it. I love the the locations aspect of it. But man, some of the uh, the action, not the action, but the acting. Oh, whew. yeah, uh, it's like fingernails down a chalkboard. Yeah, and, and and again, it was like, what? Where were they in relation to what was going on? You know, I really didn't get what that was all about, even. Um, and I know that, you know, they were, they have to assemble their team, you know, to, to get together and, and find out something or other. I'm not really even sure why they were going in there, um, but it gets revealed later. But, but yeah, it was, um, and, and then the other, uh, the other Bruno Mattei kind of staple scene is uh, when they have all these characters meet in an obvious hotel conference room. 
<laughs> yes. You know what? See, at the Hilt, at the, yeah, the, the one at the Hilton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, is this supposed to be supposed to be some sort of military base or something? Because this is obviously a Holiday Inn. I mean, this is just so pathetic. And it might have been the might have been the one in Strongsville. Yeah, it look like it. And uh, but you know, I mean, he, he did it in you know, what was it, Zombie Three? I mean, all these movies had that scene. It's almost that exact scene. You know, the people standing in front of the uh, you know all the folding chairs and the the, the the conference room at the hotel they're all staying at while they're filming, I guess. Right, right. Well, he, you know, the fact that he repeats those kind of scenes, like you know, in Zombie and Hell, the Living Dead and whatnot. You know, he's not above ripping anybody off, let alone his own, I mean, even his own work. He probably, he's probably so lazy, he already has those scenes blocked out from other movies, so he can just hand it to his DP and say, here, here's how you shoot this scene. <laughs> I've right. done it times it works, you know. I've done it, I know it'll work, now I'm going over here, I have wine to drink and a cigar to smoke, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so we get the, the, the SOS from Drake, I think was the character, who became homicidal, killed his buddy. And the, <laughs> the Colonel Parsons is just like, they're condemned to a hideous death. Uh, no, they're condemned to death, a hideous death. Like, ooh, not a hideous death. Yeah, Do tell. <laughs> yeah, but, he, like, who was Colonel Parsons, actually? Was he, I mean, he just full-blown military, or did he work for the Tubular Corporation? That, you know, it's kind of like our, our, it's like a precursor to uh, the Umbrella Corporation, kind of. Yeah, you know, they, they never really explain it. And he was one, too, who, even though they all spoke English in this movie, either he couldn't remember more than three words at a time in terms of his lines, or he just oh, yeah. was just really, you know, was not was not comfortable speaking English. And it really kind of hurt. He had the look, you know, a lot of a lot of the actors in the same, they were some, they were good looking people. You know, right. they, they looked the part. They just yeah. didn't sound or act the part. He couldn't do it, and they were and they were all bored. You know, they were all just oh god. And then <laughs> then you got the guy who is like our kind of the MacGuffin or the red herring, but then he ends up not being the red herring. Samuel Fuller, yep, who's from the Tubular Corporation. First note I met, made was horrible acting, so wooden, yep. so just. <laughs> you just looked at him; he was just dead inside. Uh, Chris Aaron's was his name. He. I, I don't know that even he, he did a whole lot besides this. And you think he only did like a hand a handful of films, like eight or nine films, but yeah, he's, he's the star. He was the top star too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, he was their headliner. Yeah. <laughs> if you could call it that. Yeah. But yeah. then you got to love the, the captain, uh, captain bond, not James bond, but Dalton bond. The yeah. very st stereotypical doesn't like corporate goons. Yep. Doesn't hit it off with Samuel Fuller when they tell him like, "Hey, you know, we're we're sending the scientist with you, uh, you know, uh, Doctor Sarah Drumble. She's going with you, and then Samuel Fuller's going with you." He's obviously like, "Oh, you know, that kind of mode of we work alone, we don't work with others as well." Yeah. And it, it's very stereotypical. He's probably the guy who plays uh, Dalton Bond. I did not write his name down, and I wish I had. But the guy that plays the captain is probably the best actor in the movie. He's the one who looks the least bored. Yeah, but but saying you know, but saying who's the best actor in this movie isn't really much of a compliment. So no, no, it, it was it was really bad all the way around. Worse than even you know, bad for even for a Bruno Mattei movie. And again, for me, it was it was the acting certainly, but it was just the energy. I mean, were they like shooting all their scenes at two in the morning and everybody was just beat? Or had they all had, you know, long nights of partying, you know, the nights before or what? But I just could yeah. not understand the, the lack of energy, you know. And this movie would have, could have been a lot more fun if they'd had some fun with their roles, you know, and maybe overacted a little better, put a little energy into it. I guess the, the uh, well, I, I don't want to get ahead of us. There's one more character that shows up a little later. I, I thought she did a pretty good job, actually, but... Uh, I think I know who you mean, but yeah, I'm going to have, uh, we'll get to that one in a bit. We'll get to it in a bit. But then we get, this is where they tell him, yeah, 15 minutes to prep for Operation Delta Venice. And I, I don't know if this predated uh, when the year it came out. I think it came out a year or two before Delta Force. So I got kind of a Delta Force vibe from that line, the Operation Delta Ve Venice. And then we cut to the Mega Force, and we get our first glimpse of Gerada breaking the fourth wall and giving a, an inspiring yeah. 
speech while she's basically antagonizing the rest of the team. She's not even the head of the team. She's not yep. even the team captain, but she is like, she's kind of like Bill Paxton in Alien. She's kind of like the team loudmouth. There you go. And, and, and yeah, and she's pointing guns at everybody that she's talking. Oh yeah. With her, with her finger on the trigger, yeah. you know, yeah. like, you know, not even practicing gun safety, just full on like aiming guns at people. Yeah. But I'll, but I'll, but I'll give her credit for that. She was, she went into this thing. She had some energy, you know, she was, she was going to, she gave it her all. She had a horrible haircut in this movie. Oh, oh horrible haircut. Uh, yeah, Every, but there were some, a lot of horrible haircuts yeah. in this movie. 1989 uh, needed a new hairdresser, I'm telling yeah. you. She looked like she was more more uh, geared up for an aerobics video than for you know than for what she was doing here, as far as that, that look went. But uh, the headband and that haircut. Yeah, I was going to say the headband is what yeah. sold it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, her character, Coster, is kind of, uh, she's kind of an asshole, you know, and she... Uh, Sling some racial slurs at her Italian mate. Oh, yeah. At one point, sling some slurs back at her, and then <clears throat> they're getting ready to, like, stab each other and shoot each other. And then, like, what's going on here? What happened? Nothing, sir. Just a small case of racial tension. I was yeah. just like, oh, just a small case of racial tension. Way to just gloss over that, folks. Like, yeah, you, you know, know and, and nobody that, on this team is getting along. You know, it's that much is apparent, but these people are ready to slit each other's throat. How effective are they going to be? And this and this wasn't seventy nine. This was nineteen eighty nine, you know, which is still a long time ago. But you know, that was pretty. You know, that's almost nineteen ninety. People were getting a little more politically correct then. But in Italy, it was probably still nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. So. Yeah, might have been, might have been. But yeah, that was a uh, that scene was a little rough. That was a little rough. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, we get Megaforce, which is basically a half dozen goons with uh, armed with tactical shotguns and Uzis, you know, yeah. and they got uh, Samuel Fuller, the corporate goon, who just looks like a guy straight out of Resident Evil. Like, he, th there are a lot of uh, correlations between this and Re Resident Evil, you know, the or evil corporation, the tubular corporation, much like Umbrella Corps, where they got their fingers into everything. And then, I mean, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but you basically find out they're the cause of everything that's gone wrong because of course they are yeah and it, and it is you know it's sort of cliche you know that it is that way and and yeah i, I think you're right it, it's it certainly has played out in, in many many other movies that's for sure but um but to me the you know the tubular corporation i mean that's just a, that's a valley girl term you know tubular is like <laughs> whoever thought yeah, that that either about Valley speak, or I think of like the tubular bells from uh, Exorcist, and there's no relation to it there no. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know where they came up, and those and those costumes that they wore were, I don't know what they were out of, but <laughs> they, they kind of looked like stormtroopers mixed with a little bit of some ba Battlestar Galactica, maybe. I'm not quite sure where, where they... They look familiar, like I had seen them somewhere before. I know, I was thinking it was like Roller Babies or something. One of those, you know, <laughs> bad 80s teenagers apocalypse movies, and they were, you know, kind of doing Late something. Seven. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was bad. They were really bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's even a, the next ridiculous scene is when they get uh, the Drake character is kind of firing at them from off camera. And you never again, another thing where you never see the two different groups together on camera at the same time. But he's kind of sniping them out. And uh, Franzini, you know, the, the character that uh, Coster was arguing with, he saves her life. He tackles her down to the ground to, to get her out of harm's way from the bullets. <laughs> saves her life. It's like, hey, thanks. And his answer is this, ah, go fuck yourself, Franzini. <laughs> it's just, they're so nice to each other. Yep, yep. Yeah, they, they attempted to have a little of that, you know, that buddy-buddy uh, humor or something, I guess you call it. I don't know. You know, like, like they're bros and they're just mean to each other, but they really love each other. But, you know, they didn't pull it off. <laughs> no, no. They, were just they, didn't seem like, they didn't seem like they were bros. They just seemed like they were... <laughs> they were yeah. waiting on their paycheck. You know? well, exactly. And I, I think probably the, the writer who I, I guess, I know Claudio took credit for it, but I, I do think it was him and maybe his wife that wrote it. And I'm sure they were trying to rip off, you know, some of the, the you know, the, the more advanced Hollywood movies that can actually pull off a relationship like that. And just grab <laughs> two lines and, and their characters actually had no idea what they were supposed to be doing because Bruno didn't explain it to him. So. 
And well, we too. Of course, Bruno didn't speak much English. Oh, no, not much at all. Were English or spoke, you know, didn't speak Italian. They didn't really know how they were supposed to act, but you'd think they'd all seen aliens by now. You know, you'd think they'd know what kind of movie they're getting into, and acting bored is not the way to do it. <laughs> no, it's not the way to do it. You know, it, 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 did any of these people ever see a buddy cop film? You know, did they right. ever see a, a, a lethal weapon or 48 hours? It's the same kind of mentality. It's, a, it's that, it's aliens. It's. Yeah. You know, a bunch of machismo uh, butting heads, you know. But. Exactly. Yeah. But they, they clearly didn't didn't get it or, or it wasn't communicated to them. or Right. <laughs> and the next scene I have is the, the next. So I have several what the fuck moments in this was uh, Sniper Drake. Uh, <laughs> what was up with the body snatchers yell from hell that makes oh, everybody's yeah. head like. Hey, turns and they never expound upon that they never say anything like what it was or what happened it just happens once and it's kind of a, a one and done i totally yeah. didn't get that and nobody does anything they all drop their guns and put their hands over their ears but nobody attempts to like stop him from yelling or anything they all just ah they all scream back i didn't like the way he talked when he was crazy though oh god that was so man, oh, he, he, he was I on all the cocaine closer. oh God. Yeah, I think he was on all the cocaine. That's where their budget went. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what do they decide to do? Hey, let's split up and look for him. That's always a good idea in a sci-fi horror movie. You know, because he does take one of them hostage. He, he takes one, uh, which character was it? Price, I think it was. Yep. yep. And that's when you get the, to the area where this really starts looking like aliens. You see the bodies cocooned. In a, in a certain kind of way and left for dead, but like they're cocooned in what looks like Halloween store bought spider webs. You I know, thinking, I was thinking the killer clowns from outer space, cotton candy, yeah, but yeah, yeah, Definitely. yeah, but they yeah, are pretty, pretty much you know, it's just, just like the cotton candy, except it wasn't neon pink, that was about the only difference. Mm -hmm. And then, well, they everybody split, splits up, Coster and one of the other guys, Kane. Uh, split up and they find price but basically two seconds too late because he's infected with every any whatever the hell that this is going on yep. and, and instead of having a chest burster he's got an arm burster and instead of like an alien bursting from his chest it's like an arm at least i mean that was one of the parts that was really fuzzy so i i'm, I'm fuzzy myself on where the hell the arm came from and trust me, I got the Blu-ray, and you you can't tell even on the Blu-ray. It's not it's not a, <laughs> not a problem with the the copy. It's just the way it was shot. And again, it just it just which just wasn't that just wasn't Bruno to me. You know, he generally will let you see the gore. He'll let you see the effects, even if they're not very good. But in this one, boy, and in fact, I, I think I told you when, when you were first suggesting this movie. I think I told you the word I remembered when I was thinking of this movie. The only thing I could remember was murky. It always just seemed murky. And I thought that that was because I had a bad print, but now that I've seen it, no, it's not it. It's just the way some of the stuff was shot, just you know, left you wanting. Yeah, I wish I could really see what happened there. And even that scene you were just describing with the people in the cocoons and all that stuff, we didn't hardly get to see it. You know, I, yeah, we definitely put some effort into what we could see, but what we could see was about the size of a pillow, and yet it was supposed to be all along this wall, and you knew it was. Right. From some angles, but when we got a chance to get up and see it, we couldn't see any of it. So it was just some weird decisions there, or in, but it well, was. They obviously, they obviously spent the money to create the effects yeah. and everything, but then they, yeah, it just feels like they were afraid to show them. Yeah, and other stuff was very well shot. You know, there were some night, there were some dollies in there that was a little like, wow, Bruno doing a dolly shot. You know, there was some, there was some interesting stuff. Um, but when it came time to show the special effects, they covered it with all kinds of smoke or flashes and, yep, and flashes or bad lighting or just bad angles where you couldn't see what, what we were supposed to be looking at. That was that to me for a Bruno Mattei movie. That was probably the, one of the most disappointing things. It was just, you know, let me see it, Bruno. Come on. Yeah, it's like you're kind of showing us everything. We're not showing. You're telling us everything, but not showing us anything. Yeah, exactly. But, That's not Bruno. And speaking of show and, and or show and tell, but uh, we got our first real glimpse at the aliens, the first real appearance here when they uh, they they pop out, and this is the 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 note that I made that it looks like hell comes a frog town face fucked a chud. 
That's what they look like. That, 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 it just looked like they, they smashed and had a baby. Yeah, yeah. And it looked to me like they had one and a half costumes. I don't think they actually had two full alien costumes. I think they had one and a half. So the one that had the head, we could see that one. And the other one, you could only see like part of the body some of the time. So I think they only had like one decent alien mask. So yeah, they, they were definitely uh, strapped for, <laughs> for the bug. Yes. See, there was the puppet. The, the puppet one where we got the full facial close-ups, which was very obviously a puppet, which had all the slime on it. And it wasn't a bad-looking puppet. But it no, wasn't, it wasn't bad-looking. It wasn't the same just, head as on the other aliens. <laughs> well, they just didn't kind of show it in the way it needed to be shown, you know. They, again, they hit it, you know, in a lot of murky shots and a lot of, you know, fuzzy angles and whatnot. It just, yeah, it didn't play off yeah. as well as it could have. And this is uh, this is the point where I think um, the act the actor comes in that I think is the one you were referring to earlier that kind of doesn't save the movie but like is better than everybody else. Uh, they encounter this movie's version of Newt from Aliens. Samantha. <laughs> Samantha Ralphison, the professor's daughter, the main professor that's running this facility. You know, and of course, of course, of course, she's the only one left alive. You know, because wouldn't she be? Yeah, why wouldn't she be? And her and her English was definitely the weakest of any everybody. She was had a very strong. I'm guessing it was an Italian accent. And uh, but I still thought, you know, she had intensity. You know, she was yes. she was looking people in the eye when she was talking to them, and when she was supposed to be mean, she was mean. And you know, they made her say Sarah too many times, and you know, she had to. Cry. Yeah, it was like the the Carol Ann thing from Poltergeist. Yeah. It was like if they said her name once, they said it. Dozens and dozens of times. Exactly. So you know, there wasn't her part wasn't particularly well written, but I I thought she gave it her all. And then I remember seeing seeing Claudio and his uh, his wife interviewed about this movie, and that uh, he didn't like that girl at all. <laughs> oh really? She's <laughs> the best thing you had in the movie, dude. <laughs> you know, he he didn't <sighs> like her. But, and you know, and the funny thing is that, like we said before, but being like the best actor in this movie is kind of right. like the. You know, the smartest she was, person. She was, she was what, 12, 11? Yeah, maybe, maybe 12. Give, give her some slack. These other people are actual, supposedly professional actors, at least some of them. And uh, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't keep up the energy level that she certainly did. So, but Yeah. yeah. Then we get more Sharknado text, Sharknado science uh, later on when they get to that. When they're getting to the Tubular Corporation genetic analyzer, which... You know, it's funny watching, you know, shots of old computer screens where you get that rolling bar that keeps going across that they used to always come across when you tried to photograph an yep. old television set. Yep. Just when you know how bad it is. Oh, and it was so, whoever was typing in that uh, text, it was, <laughs> no computer was ever that slow. I mean, really. No. It was, uh, no, I don't even think a Commodore 64 was that slow. No, you know, and all that, all that typing, and, and all we learned was what was it called, Danger Seven or something? It was yeah, like, Danger Level Seven, I think. It's like you got to be kidding me. We sat here and stared at that screen for all this time for that. You know, it's like. Oh. Well, and Fuller was sitting at that computer forever before uh, the girl Samantha came and was like, "I know what to do," and she didn't really do anything. No, she just. <laughs> Kind of type something in, and it, it, and then again, like you said, it just said danger, danger level seven, and it didn't really explain anything. It was all that exposition for nothing. Yeah. And then another note I had here was right, actually, the scene preceding this was, of course, they split everybody up, and Kowalski and Coster, you know, they encounter the aliens and or the genetic mutations, or I guess whatever the fuck you want to call them, it's still never quite clear. But they get easily taken out. Like, these aliens like to throw people to their deaths because Kowalski tries to save Coster. He gets thrown over the edge by the, the creature. And then she is, we're led to believe since it cuts away that she gets her head crushed or probably torn off since we never really see it and never see an aftermath of it. Right. But, yeah, it is what it is. But they, they were kind of two of the best characters in the movie. Yeah, exactly. They, they get, got bumped they off relatively easy. Yeah, yeah, they, they get rid of the, you know, the energy. The little bit of energy they had, they get rid of. You know, that, that was a shame. Uh, then they cut the power, because, you know, they always cut the power. And 
there's the total this this scene is ripped off from aliens so bad that everything but the dialogue is the same because you know they got the trackers out and like oh they're, yep. they're they're 30 yards away oh they're 20 yards yeah <laughs> yeah they're right on top of us and it was just like i will admit the only thing they did did different is they didn't drop in from like the ceiling air ducts like in aliens yeah. but they do just kind of come out of nowhere they, yeah. they're like oh they're right on top of us and they're like where are they and then they just kind of step out of the shadows yeah that was a that, you know again it attempted a, a jump scare in 18 or 1989 they, they tried although I, I did think the uh the little tricorder whatever that device was they were using that had the little the little uh little gems that you can buy at Home Depot, you know, for, for decorating your scrapbook that had those on it. Yes. Controllers. Yeah. Oh my God, you got to... People that want to bling out their jeans. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, oh, please, guys. <laughs> um, we, we have, you know, in 30, you know, made uh, 20 to 30 years later, we, we've made movies with much better effects and be- much better props to be quite honest. I know it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous to think these guys got paid to do this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then how many, you know, how many, probably a couple hundred thousand, I'm sure the budget was, I'm sure at least, you know, and where, where did the money go? I just want to know where all that money went. Yeah. Probably to a lot of nice dinners and uh, yeah. A lot and, of bottles I, of wine. It, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of wine, a lot of nice dinners, and uh, you know, you got to give him credit though, you know, to some to some degree, because you know Bruno made a career of this. I mean, he made movies for what thirty some years, you know, or more. He, well, he kept... I mean, he made movies all the way up until the day. I mean, pretty much the the, yeah. the day he died. I mean, he was still making those uh, the the zombie movies. You know, like you said, you know, the same year that he passed away. I mean, he had between fifty and sixty credits. Yeah, and I guess he had a. I get. I guess he had a brain tumor, and uh, he was working all the way through that. And against his doctor's orders, he went in and had the brain tumor removed, and then he died in a coma. Uh, oh, that's recovered from the surgery. So, you know, he was he was not giving up. You know? Nope, he was fighting it to the bitter end. You know, and I hate to hear that. That's how he went out, but you know, Bruno Mattei, we're giving you a hard time, but rest in peace, sir. You you created a lot. A lot better movies than this that we'll hopefully get a chance to, to cover one day. There, there'll never be another Bruno Mattei. You know, I, I know they call him the Italian Ed Wood, but Bruno Bruno was way more than Ed Wood. Bruno was also, you know, he was a technician. He edited other people's films. He did everything in film. You he kind of had his fingers in every bit of the pie. Yeah, and he ripped off absolutely everybody in the process. But you know, it was that was what he did. And in a way, you know, he did it, and he didn't do it generally in a boring way. You know, he just this is this is what the this is what the audience wants. You know, they want this this gory action, this fun stuff, this ridiculous storyline or whatever. It doesn't matter. We're going to get right to the, you know, right to the gusto. We're we're not going to waste a bunch of time with like you said exposition and stuff like that. We're going to get right into it, and that's how most of his movies were. Yeah, it does move. I mean, you know, for as bored as the actors seem, the movie did move along at a pretty brisk pace. I will at least give it that. You know the. It, it moved quickly. It just didn't. It, yeah. it didn't. Nothing furthered the plot along. And I use the term plot loosely with this. Right. <laughs> it did. It was you know edited briskly, and the scenes were short and all that stuff. But it was so incredibly familiar. You know, right. there was not a plot twist to be seen until you know you'll you'll come to the plot twist. I know as you're going through the synopsis, one plot twist in the whole thing. And it literally, last time I watched it, it took me three nights to get through it because I kept falling asleep. <laughs> it took me two viewings. I watched the first half, then went to work, yeah. and then uh, came home and watched the second half. Yeah, it's, it was it was still somewhat tough to watch, but we'll we'll continue. We'll get back. Yeah, into that. yeah, yeah. There, we're we're past the the one of the many aliens ripoff scenes with the uh, when they get attacked, and then the it's the first time. Fuller, Samuel Fuller's character really does anything. He really kind of does any kind of action other than looking, you know, evil in the background. Then we lose another team member. Kane gets thrown to his death. These creatures, for as badass as they are, they just like to throw people around. Mm-hmm. And this one, the point when they're trying to figure out how to get get out, and Samantha, the, the little girl, says, "Oh, I know a way, way out." And, I'm, and the note I made, like, was, "Oh, could have said something about that earlier." And and you know and made that known before we lost like three more team members that you knew a way to get out of this place. It's like, pipe up, kid, say something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Need to know information. 
Don't blame her. Blame the writers. <laughs> yeah. And then we get another aliens ripoff scene where they kind of play upon uh, Sarah and Sam bonding, kind of like Ripley and Newt. And, you know, uh, she even gives her at one point, it gives her a tracking bracelet to keep, you know, keep tabs on her in case they get separated. But, you know, Fuller is constantly holding his arm. This is where we're getting a little closer to the big reveal. Like, he got a wound, but he's covering his arm. You're not seeing anything, and, but then you kind of get a glimpse of what looks like metal and, like, a very, very wicked-looking appli- appliance. It was yeah. one of the few times they actually showed something, but, like, Samantha sees it, so he quick and covers it up again. It's like, you know, you're not fooling anybody. We, we, we saw that. You know, she saw it. We saw it. We all know. But uh, it, it, Fuller is essentially the Paul Reiser character of this movie. You yeah. know, he's, you know, cause he locks, he locks uh, Sarah and Sam in a room, you know, and they almost get killed by the aliens or it's, it's really not, I'm not even quite sure that they're aliens or if they're just gen- genetic mutations or whatnot, but you know, there, there's a big uh, reveal, which this isn't much of a surprise, you know, that uh, tubular cor- corporation or the quote unquote umbrella corporation, as I keep calling it, you know, Big surprise, surprise, they poisoned Venice. They're the ones that, that planted the, the seed to poison Venice basically as a means to sell real estate. Yeah. I mean, to, to buy really, it. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the maniacal plan was to, you know, yep. have all their properties drop to low, low prices so they can, you know, buy cheap and sell high. I mean, I, I don't get it. I, it, yep. it didn't seem like right. a great plan to me. Well, no, because like it's in. You know, again, uh, you know the original the original plot. You know that I heard anyway was a spaceship crashed and caused all this stuff, which would have been a lot more fun. But yeah, yeah. They, they, <laughs> they poisoned their whole city. But but to what end is all this then? And what was the point in what was the point in this guy going down there then? If this was their master plan, why why are you tagging along with this ragtag fleet of ding dongs? You already knew what the plan was, right? right? You're from tubular. So what what? <laughs> It made absolutely no sense that it had to be revealed in that way to him, if that's why he was there. Nothing nothing about his being with the group made any sense, basically. Yeah, his presence was not, neither wanted nor needed, you know, by anybody. No, I mean, they, if they were going to discover this, they were going to discover it. But if he already knew it, again, it was just like, it, it was almost like they just had all these ideas, you know, and they were just, they were going to fit them all together somehow. But that was a pretty lame reason for all this was for cheap real estate. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was their end game. You know, they, they didn't aim high. They aimed rather low and settled for very little. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. But then our next big surprise, surprise is the big reveal when they re- reveals it to everybody. Fuller is a machine, like, and I put in quotes, surprise, surprise, but not really. <laughs> and he takes out Franzini, you know, poor Franzini made it this far to almost the end of the movie, the last 20 minutes, and he gets shotgunned to death by Fuller, yep. you know. And then we have another uh, alien-style ripoff where Newt, a.k.a. Sarah, or not Sarah, but uh, Samantha, falls through a hole in the floor that just happens, the, the hole that opens up on the floor just happens to be above a perfectly placed, what looks like a water slide, minus the water. Playground you know, slide. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Slide, yep. <laughs> yeah, and then, and instead, you know, and the funny thing is, instead of, of uh, uh, Sarah going to find her, or going, just jumping down the hole and going down the slide to go where she went, she takes another elaborate way down some other stairs, like, I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you like what well, you could have. The hole was big enough. You could have just jumped in after her. Exactly. No reason to do all this other crazy shit. Uh, <laughs> but that this is when Colonel Parsons kind of comes back into it because they've been Parsons and his team have been absolutely fucking useless to this point. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. they, they're always just out of radio contact. They half yep. the time they can't even reach their team. He sets up the alpha team to come in and like uh, save the day. You know, as a backup squad. Yeah. And it doesn't really go very well. Uh, <laughs> Far from it. Yeah, they, they all get, like, most of them, they just get taken out by the aliens real quick. If they're supposed to be the alpha team, you know, the, the backup B team, they they get taken out quicker than a gang full of red shirts on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And then they tried to take out Fuller. They electrocute him, which was basically a bunch of sparks. They just, (laughs) they had a grinder just off camera. They were grinding a piece of of angle iron that they were just grinding down and spraying sparks everywhere. You think he's gone, but you know, in a movie like this, at least Bruno Mattei um, didn't um, disappoint us in that respect. You knew he wasn't going to be gone. You know, that's where you knew that he was, you know, He's not just the, the, the robot from Aliens. He is a Terminator now, you know. Yeah, he's a full-blown Terminator. And that's where they got the, I think, where they tried to play it off as a sequel to Terminator 2 is just yep. because he's, you know, a cyborg. Yep. And even the, the cover uh, of the VHS and some of the old poster art, it was very clear that they were mimicking Arnold Schwarzenegger's oh. look. And, and really one of the, the one of the few halfway decent makeup effects is... You know his face, with the with the skin pulled away, and you know the wires. Oh, and yeah, all. yeah. When they pull off the skin on the left side of his face, yeah. You know, I mean, that was that was that wasn't too bad, and that was more like what I was expecting from a movie like this. But you know, but that was that was the high point. It never it never gets any better. You never get, he doesn't turn into the uh, you know the skeletal alien that uh, Schwarzenegger does. You know, he doesn't he doesn't lose any more than that. <laughs> right. That was that was expensive enough to put a bunch of wires on his face. That's it. <laughs> We got to money for our big dinner tonight. Yeah, we got to be able to make sure these effects come off really easy. We got some, you know, raviolis to eat later on. That's right. (laughs) And then a fire extinguisher saves the day. That's the big weapon they use because they use a shotgun on them on Fuller, and they shoot them three, four, five times. It even says, you realize I'm immortal. It's like, no, you're not immortal because you're not really alive. But, you know, know, tomato, tomato. But, like, they use a fire extinguisher on them where he, again— a lot of people fall to their death in this movie, but it's not really his death. It's like his second death of the movie because <laughs> yeah. he sent he gets sent over the edge. And I love how like you know he doesn't act all Terminator like or very robotic until it's revealed that he is a robot, and then he all of a sudden starts moving more like a robot and moving all stiff and totally Terminator. Then and yeah, and that fire extinguisher was hilarious. I mean, there's it looked like he was covered with shaving cream. You know, it's like. Yeah. Most of these fire extinguisher scenes, you know, they don't do it that way. It looked just completely silly. Um, yeah, it looked like shaving he, cream or whipped cream they were shooting at him. Yeah, and knowing what we know today about fire extinguisher foam and all the chemicals in it, the poor guy probably got, you know, cancer and everything else from that scene. So we should... We should <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, the, there's a timer going on. You know, we did forget to mention, neither one of us mentioned that Fuller had set... The place to uh, for the aqueducts oh. to explode and to release all the contagion out into the world, so all these genetic mutations that the tubular corporation had created will basically, you know, the mutation will assimilate, fuck up the entire ecosystem, and on a planetary right. level, and the whole world's going to be polluted. Right. And why? Why do that? How does that help your real estate game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does. The, the end game is very questionable. You know. <laughs> The ends don't justify the means at all. <laughs> but time runs out, and literally, they make it down into a lower level. You know, uh, you think at this point, Fuller has been defeated, and he, he's, you know, after he's, quote-unquote, fallen to his death. The timer runs out, and they, Sarah and Samantha, end up in the tubular time pod, I think is what they called it. Yeah. And then that like real estate lady that had popped up on the computer screen a couple times. That was from the, you know, the tubular corporation pops up in another video where she stutters over her dialogue again. She, I forgot to mention that before she kind of stuttered over her lines and flubbed her lines, but they kept it in anyway. But she's just like, you know, today it's like today we're going to be traveling to the past welcome aboard the tubular time pod just like it's so matter of factly like make sure you sit down because we're going to be taken off in like 10 minutes it's going to be a bumpy ride because all of a sudden now yeah time travel like mm-hmm. why fucking why not why fucking not and it, and it was a prototype you know that was the prototype so you know strap yourself in and make sure you you know carry this extra piece of technical equipment whatever the heck that was and uh yeah but it's it's a prototype. yeah what yeah, what was that thing? Do you have any any insight or any clues of what that thing was supposed to be? Because you know, they use it as a weapon later on. Yeah, yeah, it's it's apparently something really. I'm assuming that was their way back to the future if they'd used it properly. That that's all I could uh-huh. figure out. But it, they never explain it. 
you know, it's, it's no, like, a like many things in this movie, they never explain it. Yeah, one of the one of the. No, uh, but I gotta admit that that was a twist I didn't see coming. Yeah, yeah, that was the one <laughs> twist I didn't I didn't even remember like having watched it. It happened so close to the end, you know, within like seven or eight minutes of the ending. Like all of a sudden, it's like, yep, we're thrown in time travel. Like I yep. almost like completely forgot so, about that. It's so kitchen sinky. And so, you know, a, a way to rip off, you know, Terminator even more, but sort of in reverse. It was, it was almost a creative touch if they had just given us some clue that that's maybe why they were going down here or something. You know, there's some right. reason for it to be there, but there was nothing. There was, there was no lead up to it, nothing. It's like, oh, here's a time machine. Let's hop into the TARDIS and go, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, if, if only the TARDIS had been in here, it might have been a little bit more interesting. <laughs> But then all of a sudden, you know, everything's exploding all around them. They're in the time pod, which is shaking kind of like, you know, they're using the, I call it again, the Star Trek effect where they just shake the camera and the actors just kind of got to react like they're falling around. And then they end up in pretty Venice and pretty time, you know, pastime Venice, you know, where the kids are playing in the streets. And then you think, yeah. 1989 Venice, yep. Yeah, 1989 Venice. And then what happens, what we all know is going to happen, fucking Fuller shows up. Once again, you know, not, you you can slice them, you can dice them, but you just can't beat them. Because there was a second time pod. There was a second time pod, even though that was a... A prototype. What, what do they call it? A prototype. They had two prototypes. <laughs> you know, why wouldn't you? Exactly, you know, so yeah. <laughs> and then they finally... They finally managed to to kill Fuller, you know, uh, with with the little contraption that's supposed to, I guess, we're supposed no. to believe that it, it either, like, just makes him dissipate into nothing or it sends him back to the future where everything is being exploded and catching on fire, you that's know. What, so. That's what I was trying to figure out. It's like he sort of was exploding or something, but I, with all the little lightning bolts and stuff, I thought, well, is that sending him back then? Because when they traveled through time, it was sort of like flashing stuff. So I thought, is that sending him back? That sort of might have made a little sense, but since they never explained it, for all we know, it was it was just a bomb, you know. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, I think they it's essentially sent him back up the line where everything was ending and blowing up. So it's just they they essentially kind of blew him up. But without blowing him up, I don't know. It's again, you know, they they could have explained that with a line of dialogue or just some sort of exposition that would have told us what that actual contraption was. But we don't get that. But uh, we get the, the happy, happy ending where the professor or not the professor, but the scientist. uh Sarah and our orphaned uh, Samantha are standing there looking over beautiful 1989 Venice, and they say, we got a lot of work to do, and then it freeze frames, and this is the end of our film. Yep. And I'm not any any more or less confused than I was at the beginning of it. I, I, That's I, right. What, what like, work do they have to do? Are they going to stop the tubular corporation from ever existing, or I, mean, I, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, it's... It's, uh, yeah, they ran out of film at that point is all I can figure Yeah, they ran out of film. I think they were probably planning on, you know, maybe it being a bigger hit than it was and maybe yeah. planning on a sequel where they would take on, you know, a lot of these, you know, kind of post-apocalyptic, weird sci-fi horror action films of that era were always set up with, a, I think, a sequel in mind. Yeah. Or at least, you know, in anticipation of it, but... It never happened, and it's probably for the better. I, you know, I mean, I do like this film for as bad as it is. It's it's a movie that I love to pick on. You know, there's I hate to say it that there are this certain kind of movies I love to watch, and you know, just like a good friend, I like to give them a hard time because they are. You know, well, you know, and I can I can I get that to some degree. It's you know when I when I bought the Blu-ray. And I saw like the the reviews. Wow, you've got to see this movie. Sheer insanity, necessary viewing. And I, you know, I love good bad movies. I mean, I've got a stack of them. You know, I mean, a, a good bad movie that's made with energy. I mean, I, I just love those kind of movies. But uh, this one, <laughs> this one didn't didn't quite get to that level for me of being good. It was just, I mean, it's just bad. And as much as I right. love those movies. This one, and I, I think it really was just the, 
you know, like you said, the pacing and the editing and all that stuff was good, but the energy of the actors just turned me off so bad. <laughs> you know, I could have taken all the, the, the horrible aspects of it if the acting had just been a little better, if the actors had sold their characters better. Yeah. I would have enjoyed the film more. They had a little fun. You know, you can have a bad story. Like, you know, remember Rats, Nights of Terror? I mean, there was no lack of energy in that movie. And what an ending, you know? This oh, yeah, what an ending of that one. And that movie made sense. Yeah. You know, directed by those, the same guy. Yep. This one had those same elements. It had the twist ending. It had the aliens and the gore. It didn't have the rats. But, you know, I mean, it had all those potential things, you know, the same hodgepodge of characters and all that stuff but it just completely you know, I don't know if it was just a period in Bruno's career where they just weren't having fun making movies or something but, it might have been but you, you know, know he did Robo War like a year before that which was a fun one he did oh, amazingly amazingly good bad movie yeah he so. did Zombie 3 a year before this so he was was he just tired <laughs> You yeah, know, maybe did. maybe he was just he made this one on a couple of weekends, you know, at, while he was editing another film or shooting another film. I don't know, but you know, maybe he was just a little tired at that point. Maybe he, you know, had just too much. Another another little tidbit was that uh, Claudio Fragasso, Clyde Anderson, was so disappointed in this movie that this was the last movie he worked on with Bruno. So oh, I did not know that. So he supposedly. Um, now, I heard that Bruno helped direct Night Killer, which was actually released later, but I don't know that it was made later. Um, but in any event, you know, it's, yeah. He, so even, you know, if Claudio, maybe he, maybe even Claudio thought, where was the energy? You know, what was, what's missing here? Why are these actors, you know, that's really the director's responsibility to get a decent performance. And, right, uh, right. That's not the writer's job at all. Yeah. But at least an energetic performance, and that that to me is is what did not work for me on this one more than and just the the lack of what I really like Bruno movies for. You know, show me the gore, show me the alien, show me the the gross out stuff, and we just barely got to see it. And yet I know they did it. Like you said, we could see the effort was put in there. They just wouldn't let us see it. Right, right. Is this for some reason they were it felt like they were afraid to show it? Yep. But. Oh, well, I think that's about all we can say about this little uh, slice of not, slice of not gold. Uh, <laughs> cheese. Yeah, yeah, this uh, Fremunda cheese is more like it. Jeez, but all right, I guess we can get into our final thoughts and in, in, uh, ratings on this. Uh, on a, want to go ahead and give us your final thoughts on Shocking Dark and a rating on a scale from 1 to 10, if, if, we, if we can. Sure. So remember you and I talked a little bit about, you know, like what, what was Bruno's best film, you know? And, and right. for, me, for me, that was probably Hell of the Living Dead. And we talked about some of the other ones, Robo War and Zombie 3 and all that stuff. And uh, to me, this is actually might be my least favorite of all his films. I, I, I just really was just, maybe I just wanted to like it. I wanted it to be more than it was. You know, I was excited about it coming out in Blu-ray. I remembered seeing it in the early 2000s, you know, some uh, some uh, VHS rip that I had seen, and I just remembered I couldn't see it very well, and it was all chopped up, so I thought, yeah, I'm getting the Blu-ray. I'm going to get to see the whole thing. This is going to be great. And it was just utterly disappointing, and I could barely get through it. So, you know... <laughs> And you know, I you know, you and I sort of disagreed on Devilfish, which I really enjoyed, <laughs> and I know you didn't. Right, uh, right. I think we're gonna disagree on this one too. I just I give Shocking Dark a one. I, I was really disappointed in it. Well, I'm 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 not coming in terribly high <laughs> on it. I, I mean, I did have fun with it. It's a good movie to kind of riff on to pull a MST3K on, and it's a I, w I would enjoy this movie a lot more if I had would have had somebody to watch it with or watching it with a group of friends or much less like our, our cinema wasteland crowd. This would be a good wasteland True. movie to watch. True. But, and yeah, it's kind of hard during COVID. So, right. Yeah. You just can't do it, but yeah, I pretty much agree with about everything you said, but I, I, I just had a little more fun with it. It was on a, a level of so bad. It's good. Uh, I didn't come in terribly high. I'm coming in at a four just because 
it's it's just it's you know for as bad as it is it's still fun to me i i can't recommend it as a movie you know because anything uh a five or under i feel like I, I can't recommend so i i can't recommend it to anybody unless you're a completist and you love bad movies as much as we do and you kind of want to see them all you know uh, then i could recommend it because obviously it's you know it, it falls into the category of so bad that is not good is so bad that it's just plain bad yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and as much as I'm a completist and have watched almost every, you know, Bruno Mattei horror movie in sci-fi, I, I didn't get into his, it, I be, even his women in prison flicks, I've seen most of those, but I'm not into his, you know, his softcore crap that he did. But no, um, no, but this, you know, no. those other ones, I've seen them all, and I would say 90% of them I would watch again. I wouldn't watch this one again. I, I just did not didn't you know like you say maybe with a group of people i could my arm could be twisted but it wouldn't be one i'd recommend to my friends hey come on let's have a bad movie night we'll watch shocking dark because it's just (laughs) dullness the acting the you know if i want to watch people look bored that just makes me bored (laughs) right i'll watch a game show if i want to see people be bored yeah you know if i want something to put me to sleep maybe i'll put this in but it it shouldn't have been that way it had it just had enough crazy elements it should have been a lot more fun than it was Yes, with all the the craziness going on from the sci-fi stuff to the, the creatures, yeah. time travel, uh, you know, industrial espionage, aliens, Terminators, yeah. it, it, it should have been a lot more enjoyable than it yeah. than it was. He had, a, he had a good crew. If you're a fan of Italian, you know, horror, he had some good. He had good makeup effects guys that have done other stuff. He had a good photographer. You know, this was live sound, which was rare for them. There was technically it was it should have been. You know, better. It was fine, though. That that wasn't what made it bad. It was just the, just the bored acting. <laughs> it does make me wonder why they went with live sound, since that really yeah. wasn't their their thing back then. No, that was like a more expensive way to shoot. You know, in those days. Um, so that was an interesting change for Bruno. And I, I'm going to have to go back and see if some of his newer films he did that more often. But I just know in his earlier ones that was all. You know shot without you know the actors either come back and do their dialogue or he'd hire a cheaper actor to come do the guy's voice probably a cheaper actor i'd say <laughs> nine times out of ten <laughs> well i hope when maybe the next one uh whether you choose or i choose uh we'll pick a, a much better movie to do but if you know not all of them can be winners and not but there's you know sometimes a whole lot of winners but also a few losers and yep yep no, this I was- one is I was looking forward to this one just because I hadn't seen it in so long, and you know I, I did want to see this version. So I don't I don't regret doing it. It was fun talking about it, for sure. Yeah. You know, but yeah, let's pick a better one next time. <laughs> yeah, let's let's pick one of the more higher end movies next yeah. time. We'll we'll figure it out and meet meet in the middle and come with up with one that we can both agree on that is at least uh, worthy of reviewing. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, folks. Well. I want to remind you once again, you have been listening to Cinema Degeneration's Takeout Edition. Uh, I've been your host, Cameron Scott. My co-host has been Thomas Berdinsky, and we thank you for uh, your patronage and listening to our silly little show and us talking about these shitty little movies. (laughs) (laughs) You know, well, we promise hopefully on the next show to cover one that uh, is maybe worthy of reviewing. (laughs) I'm with you. All right. Well, good night, folks. Have a good one. Ciao. Venice before the year 2000. Squares, museums, and churches. Tourists crowd the streets. Venice is threatened by the high tide. The seaweed is killing the oxygen in the waters, and the putrid waters are corroding the foundations of the city. This is Venice today.